listening to Octagon 24-7's podcast, MMA FanCast. It's MMA for the fans, by the fans. We talk about only the important things you want to hear. Hey, this is Mike Goldberg, the voice of Bellator MMA on Spike. Join us right now for MMA FanCast. MMA FanCast is back, and after a crazy night, a great night of fights at UFC 214, we are ready to talk about all things UFC 214 here on MMA FanCast, brought to you by Octagon247.com. This is Ryan Middleton. I am your host, and I am joined by the newest contributor of MMA FanCast and Octagon 24-7. I am joined by Andrew Bailey. Glad to be back. Well, and and I just realized that um, you've made it through a whole podcast without getting a nickname, um, other than like me taunting you with West Virginia. Uh, but you didn't even, you didn't get a nickname last podcast. We're going to have to work on that. I don't feel a part of the family yet. I need one. Yeah, you you are fa- I announced you as family. So, I mean, when you gave me that buffer-esque announcement, you know, introduction thing, um which I didn't deserve by the way, but uh your kindness uh prevailed there. At least from West Virginia, we are nice. Well, you 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 have your moments. Let's just say that. So, UFC 214, the card of the year with three title fights. We had um, some battles. We had some great finishes, some great knockouts, and we had a stinker. And we pretty much had everything last night, didn't we? Yeah, and I don't know if you said egregious decision in there, but we have one of those as well. We did have an egregious decision. I mean, we, we had a mix of everything. I mean, we have to start off with John Jones finishing off Daniel Cormier in the third round last night. It was, uh, I mean, it was a great fight to that point. It was unbelievable, but I want to give a lot of credit to John Jones's coaching, everybody at Jackson Wink, to implement those little short kicks to the knee to disrupt DC's timing coming in, coming in. So that's what he's aware of, and then he catches them with the head kick. Beautiful coaching. Well, and and uh, you know, John Jones said afterwards that that they that his coaching noticed the tendency of of Daniel Cormier to duck to the what was it what was it the right or left whatever that he kept ducking, and that he knew he was going to catch him with that eventually because he that's what he does. And sure enough, man, that his his shin bone just destroyed destroyed his face and what what a beast he did that didn't even take him down that was that was unbelievable i thought he was going to bounce back from it at first i was like well dc can take a hit here he goes but then once he started wobbling more and jones put him against the wall and finished him but still to stand up from a head kick from john jones it was it was a it was a nice pure i i think if john jones 
John Jones kicks anyone else like that and lands that cleanly, they're 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 done right there. I, I think so too, but can John Jones and Dominic Cruz co-author Ring Rust does not exist because I want to buy a copy right now. <laughs> see, I I I think that when you are just see I disagree. I think John Jones displayed ring rust. I don't think when I don't think Dan, it was an even fight, completely even. John Jones had nothing on Cormier until that kick. He had nothing on him. It was it was completely even. I just felt like it was Jones had a plan that he was slowly building to with those kicks and kicks like you said, the coach and he was setting it up. I felt like DC's game plan, I couldn't really understand it much different than the first one. It was, I'm going to come in, and I'm going to close the distance, and I'm going to punch you within the clinch. I mean, nothing really changed. Well, I think that that was a recipe for success. I mean, if he would have been in the clinch with him, he would not have gotten leg kicked. I mean, head kicked. With if that, He needed to close the distance. It's What led to his downfall was at a moment when he hadn't didn't have the distance closed. But I felt like Jones knew that was coming again. That's how he was able to set up those low kicks. Just he just DC came in too predictable. Like there was nothing nothing different. Like he he had some good combinations on the feet, but it just he didn't have enough variance to confuse Jones. Like I felt like he knew it was coming. Yeah, I um when it's all said and done and and when it comes down to it, John Jones is simply a beast. And when we, when I looked at those two guys standing next to each other, it looked like a man versus a child. I mean, the size difference was immense. John Jones just looked huge. He had to weigh 230, 235 by fight time. He was huge. I noticed that at with their weigh-ins, and they were just standing next to each other, not at the morning weigh-ins, at the ceremonial ones the night before where it's just for show. I was like, no, it was, the, it was the night. Uh, you mean, you mean you? Uh, never mind. You meant the night before. You meant yeah, the yeah, night before yeah, the fight. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Night before the fight, he looked massive. It was David versus Goliath out there, and I, I even standing in the ring in the octagon when they when they touched the gloves beforehand, it was just an astronomical difference. It was unbelievable. So what did you what did you think of John Jones's uh his post fight being not playing nice with Daniel Cormier? Do you think that was real? Do you think that was to try to look like the look like the good guy or what, what I mean what was that? I want to believe he was trying to be nice and bury the hatchet and all that. And I want to think DC would have done the same thing if he'd won. I feel like if you'd switch the the roles, DC won, he would have said that, and Jones would have acted the way DC did. Just distraught, just a lot of emotion. But I want to believe John Jones is nice, but no, I don't buy it at all. I think it was for show and for the fans and just an attempt to be respectful, which I can still appreciate. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you're if you're trying, that's all we can ask. If we, you know, I was uh, watching the fights with Terry Dactyl and and another buddy, and when that when that happened, we we got to talking about John Jones's character, like who he really truly is, 
And we watched, I think the thing that I fall, fell back on is thinking about when he got pulled over for drag racing. Did you see the body camera, the police body camera video of John Jones's pull over, getting pulled over and ticketed? Any person who says, do you know who I am, just automatically makes me dislike them. Uh, Did he he do that there? Yes. He said, you know who I am? I'm John Jones. That's who I am. He just went off on a big, arrogant rant. I think I'm thinking of a different video than you. Well, he's been arrested several times. Yeah, that that is true. That is true. (laughs) But it was just from a year ago, and and, – the, the officer said he was drag racing and he, he just watched the video. It, 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 to me, it's an indication of John Jones's true character and just that he's, he's just not a dude that you'd like want to hang out with your kids in the room. And you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, 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 I get what you're saying. What did you think about the, the call out? Um, I thought it was great. I thought, you know, that's something that's a, that, that's a huge fight. That's the biggest fight that, uh, that's not McGregor that the UFC could possibly put together. If and, it happens, there needs to be a clause that Paul Heyman has to come over with Brock Lesnar and do all of his announcing has, has to be in there. Yeah. Paul, Paul Heyman's awesome. Um, speaking of WWE, uh, you're a WWE fan, right? Or, or current or past or present. Like what, what, what's your deal? I have a heart and a pulse, don't I? Okay. So, so WWE, you know where they're at tomorrow night for raw. No. Pittsburgh. Are you going? Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. We're going and, uh, I'm taking the kids and, uh, Got a nice little gig going on down there. Uh, yeah, I'll tell you about that off air. Um, but we're going down actually to the hotel during the day a little earlier, and I'm gonna take the boys down and you know run into some wrestlers. Hopefully, if you see Finn Balor, get me an autograph, please. All right. See, I'm I'm I've kind of. Uh, I didn't really watch NXT, and I and I actually haven't watched a lot of WWE in the last couple months. Um, but I'm a Hulkamaniac. Like I grew up in the '80s with Hulkamania and Junkyard Dog and Superfly Snuka and all those guys, and a uh, huge fan. And then, and then you were young, but the the Attitude Era was like. Like, I was the target audience. I was, like, 20 years old or 18 years old or whatever during the that time frame and uh, was a huge fan then. So, yeah. Oh, one of the best matches still all time, even for a millennial like myself. I forget which WrestleMania it is, but it was uh, Randy Macho Man Savage versus Ricky Steamboat. That match is incredible. Holds up today. My, my favorite all-time match, WWE match, is... Uh, there was an hour long Brett Michaels versus or Brett Hart versus Shawn Michaels. <laughs> yeah, I just combined them. Uh, Brett Hart versus Shawn Michaels, and it was hour long. And you would think like, yeah, that wouldn't be real exciting. That was an awesome main event 
of WrestleMania. I mean, two of the greatest technicians to ever do it. My favorite. The excellence still, of execution. Is, is Shawn Michaels, Undertaker won at WrestleMania. That yeah. match. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And you got to also Mick Foley, Undertaker, Hell in a Cell. Absolutely. I mean, At that's all. just an all-time classic. Oh, my God. He killed him. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, we're glad we, we, yeah, this is an MMA podcast. <laughs> jump back into that. Um, you know, I, I really felt for Cormier. One, he was absolutely confused, and he had no idea what was going on. Yeah, did you see Joe Rogan's apology today on Twitter? I saw that he said that he broke his own rule and he wish he hadn't. Yeah, he went through a pretty lengthy apology and it felt really sincere. He's like, I was just lost in the moment. I should never have done that. I apologize to DC and everybody. I just, I mean, it was it was hard to watch. I mean, man, that was just, that was terrible. Yeah, and well, I don't know if you noticed it, but before the announcement, the winner announcement, he was like flipping out, like saying that, you know, Dana White in the post-fight press conference said that he was just like, he had no idea what happened. He thought he thought that he wasn't knocked out and the fight was stopped prematurely. And it wasn't until he actually saw it on the screen that he realized that what had happened. And so, yeah. So I think that was made him extra emotional was the fact that he was told that it happened and he didn't even like really experience it because he had no memory of it. It was, it was really tough to watch. That uh, reminded me when Conor McGregor knocked out Jose Aldo and Aldo was grabbing John McCarthy's leg. Thought he was still in the fight. Like they just had no idea. Yeah. Yeah. That's a common, common thing. I, I wish there was a video of, uh, there probably is. I, it's not like I have searched it, but of just fighters that got knocked out that thought, they were still fighting against the referee. It's the it's the strike that you don't see is the hits the hardest. Yeah. Yeah. So John Jones reclaims the light heavyweight championship after the fight. He calls out Brock Lesnar and Brock Lesnar responds. Uh, apparently sometime today he must have um, and said, be careful what you wish for. Uh, from what I understand, and this is just things that I've heard, I, I, from what I understand, he has four months remaining on his year-long suspension, uh, which means he would have to get back into the USADA testing for four months before they would be able to, uh, he'd be able to fight. I think they could schedule it. I don't know. I think they could schedule it after that four months, but I think he has to be reinstated. So I think they'd be going on a limb a little bit to to schedule it um, without that reinstatement. Yeah, that just seems like a big mess to go through. I really hope uh, Alexander Gustafson gets a title shot next for the rematch from UFC 165. So you don't want to see Brock Lesnar against John Jones. I appreciate the freak show aspect of that and how it's a big money fight. But like you said, there's so many hoops to jump through and just logistical issues. I think I, I would like to see John Jones defend the belt before then. I really want a Gustafson rematch because that was that fight was amazing. One of the best fights in UFC history. Yeah, but John Jones was like 
didn't even take that fight seriously. John Jones now, I mean, Gustafson got destroyed by Cormier, and John Jones destroyed. I mean, I know that's MMA math, and that doesn't always happen, but I don't feel like I look at Gustafson and I wonder, like, how did John Jones have a lot of trouble with him? And I can't figure it out. I think especially after watching what Gustafson did to Glover Teixeira, I think he controls range really well, and he hits from unique angles and just really always creates and opens up angles that only benefit him. It makes it hard to hit when he comes out. And and still, it's shocking. He's the only he's the, He has one takedown on John Jones. One of two people in Cormier has one from the first fight. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, <laughs> I just, I, I know that that first fight was a great fight. And for whatever reason, it, I don't get super excited about it. I don't, I don't know. I don't, maybe it has to do with Gustafson. Maybe he's just, uh, I don't know. From light heavyweight though. I mean, that's the only fight I think you can make. I mean, unless you want to go ahead and go into our your favorite fighter, our Vulcan friend. He's awesome, man. He hits like a tank, apparently. He's got the touch of death in his hands. Dude, he's he's a beast. He's a beast. I, I, I'm ashamed that I called that as a – I think I called a decision on that, a, a unanimous decision. Yeah, yeah, you called a unanimous decision. And how long did that fight last? Like 20 seconds? Yeah, minutes? something yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, okay, let's go in order. Uh, reverse order, actually. Um, anything else on Cormier, Cormier Jones? Um, I hope Cormier doesn't retire. I mean, what does he have? I mean, I we were talking about it last night. He has... Nothing to do in the light heavyweight division now. He he has to go back up to heavyweight. I think so too, and I think he still has something to offer. I do too, and but I mean, he's not he's not beating Stipe. Although they might give him that shot right off the bat, or like with one, you know, top six, top six or seven victory, they might give him a shot. There's no one in the heavyweight division to challenge Stipe. What about Francis Ngannou? Well, I mean, that's. Maybe one, but he's very one-dimensional. He hits like a he hits like a hurricane. Correct, and so does Stipe. Stipe has put everyone he's fought to sleep. Everyone. It's interesting. So I really, I really hope DC does move up though, because I think that opens up a lot more doors for him than it does staying in light heavyweight. Yeah, I think heavyweight's the answer. Unfortunately, I think that means that he puts on not good weight. Yeah. I mean, he tends to put on a belly. Come out there looking like Mark Hunt. I mean, why not? Hey, Mark Hunt. <laughs> if you could compare him to a lot worse than Mark Hunt, that's true enough. So, do you want to go to this next one now? Yeah, let's move on. The well, do we really want to even talk about this fight? I was about to ask you. I took a nap during this fight, so we had in the co-main event Tyron Woodley, who was not happy at all to take a picture with me and he fought Damian Maya and you know first look at this 
fight and you say, wow, well, Damian Maya wasn't engaging and blah, blah, blah. It's just as much on Woodley. Woodley has become a almost unbearable fighter to watch. It's like we talked last night about this when we were texting. I said he reminds me of Floyd Mayweather in the sense that he neutralizes his opponent but doesn't do anything else. He neutralizes it, he outpoints you, and he wins. And this is two stinkers in a row. Yeah, I I just I can't get excited about and and I don't blame Dana White after the fight. Dana White basically said, "I'm not putting together GSP versus Woodley. That's just not it's not interesting." So, the Bisbing fight is on. Um and he said, because I know Bisbing will come to fight. I don't I, I don't blame him for one second. I can't think of a more. Listen, GSP is great and an all-time legend. However, if you, rem- if you recall, he was one of the most. He, everything was a decision. It was dominant. He would take no chances. He would dominate people. And he would fight and never finish anyone. And I don't think he finished. I mean, I'm not looking at anything and haven't in a while, but my memory does not recall him finishing any fights in the last couple years of his career. I think your memory serves you correct. And Tyron Woodley just strengthened the case of why Michael Bisbing should get the fight with GSP. I mean, that was so boring. I mean, it's, it's a spectator sport and you want to sell tickets. I mean, I understand winning is the most important thing first and foremost, but when you stand there and just look at your opponent and hug him for 25 minutes, you're, you're not going to get the money fights. You're not going to get the money contracts because nobody wants to watch you. You can't sell tickets. He's going to be headlining UFC fight night somewhere in, in I don't know where Oregon and just have 15 people tune in to watch his fight because nobody's, no, everybody's losing interest in that division. So George St. Pierre lost the belt to Matt Sarah uh, in April of 2007, fought two fights, and then rematched in, in, in April of 2008 at UFC 83 and completely dominated him, ended the fight in the second round, and that was April of 2008. He fought all the way through the end of 2013, and every single fight after that was a decision, with the exception of a corner stoppage against BJ Penn after four rounds. So he didn't even finish a guy that the corner was like, he can't go anymore. He didn't even finish that guy. It's crazy to me. And not to mention, he got his face pummeled off by Johnny Hendricks. Yeah, he did. And he still got that decision. I mean, that was close. I don't blame. Um, I mean, if a fight's that close, you can't really get mad either way. But I thought he lost. and Many people I thought did. he lost. But that was a split, split decision. So... That last fight occurring in November of 2013, it will be f- at least four years. I mean, ju- if he fights in early November, it'll be just shy of four full years between fights. What do you think's next for Woodley? 
Um, maybe put him in there with a bear. <laughs> I all the rumblings I've been reading and hearing about point to Robbie Lawler in a rematch. I mean, that would be nice. Maybe that would get the he would get that fire back in him to like actually like attack. That's the lot. I don't know. He just didn't want to engage. He, I mean, he, he's, he looks like he just wants to get out of there. Like he wants no part of being in the octagon. Well, it, no, he wants to be in there as long as possible with as little action <laughs> as possible. He wants to negate what the other guy can do and win based on that. Yeah, he does what Floyd Mayweather did for the majority of his career. Just do that and win. I think Jorge Masvidal would cause him some problems. Yeah, I, I think there's lots of guys that will cause him some problems, but right now he's the king of the hill, and we'll have to uh, just hope that there's a good matchup. Well, here's the thing that I, drives me crazy about him. It's I I can deal with ha- he's had a couple of boring fights. What I don't like about Ty Woodley is he has this, like, like woe is me like attitude have you noticed that i get that like he's like a victim all the time like it's the ufc's not promoting me well and um all these things and i'm like and 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 pulls the race card all the time and i just want to like mma fans i mean yeah are there racist people yes are there racist mma fans sure but for the most part, they just want to see guys that they're that intrigue them. I they don't want c- action. Yeah. Well, no, even even personality wise, you don't have to have like be the best fighter in the world to be super popular and marketable. You have to be someone people can relate to. We always say this, and this was a pterodactyl thing, that basically the best way to market yourself is not to try to act boisterous and try to be so crazy, like trying to be like Conor McGregor or whatever. Don't, that's not what you want to do. But you want to take your personality. And all of our personalities are like on five all the time. And sometimes we peak a little more and we go up and down. And just take that, your normal personality, and turn it up all the way. And, and that's how you become, you know, your, your marketable self. So when you're, when you're on... That's you, you're just turning yourself up. And, I agree. I like that point. Yeah, and and so it's not to try. We, we, the last thing we need are people, a bunch of people trying to be Conor McGregor, which and, we've got, subsequently got sometimes. Well, and and it doesn't work though. It's not natural. That's why you're you're not trying to be him. You're being you, like a caricature of you. I think Cody Garbrandt does a really good job of amplifying his personality. He stays – he's Cody. He's always Cody Garbrandt. Yeah, Co- Cody, man. I was I was worried about him going into that fight. I thought he was too, like, emotional. And then he just came and proved me wrong, and it was awesome. No one could have imagined that. Dominic Cruz looked like a novice. Do you know where Cody Garbrandt, like, got his – like, grew up in MMA? Is it in Ohio? Yeah, but most of his, a lot of his fighting was in Pittsburgh. Really? Oh yeah, yeah. Mark Jericho. Mark Jericho. Yeah, he never fought Mark Jericho though. 
But he fought Dominic Mazzotta. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, where, where, what are we talking about? Oh, um, about Ty think, Woodley? Yeah, we're talking about Ty Woodley. And... Where does he go? Damian Maya. Yeah. You got to feel for him. Um, he went up against a guy, probably one of the few guys in the world that could stuff his takedowns because, and, and part of me thinks that he should have just clinched more and tried to like gain control from the clinch and not try to shoot so much. I agree. I think he was afraid of the power. Yeah. Well, I mean, he should be. And he got caught with that, <laughs> that uh, uppercut coming in the first time. I think he, and his eye blew up. I mean, that could have a lot to do with it too. You know, your yeah. first time you go in for a shot, you fail on the shot, but not only that, but he blows up your eye on the first one. Yeah. You're going to not be as committed on those shots. Yeah. He I mean, I'll give it to him. He was relentless. I was, uh, I couldn't believe he uh, could not get him down one time in five rounds. And that was, that's one thing I like you said about Woodley. He was just the way he escaped every takedown. It, that was impressive. Yeah. Did you just flex? I'm always flexing. No, I'm just kidding. I was stretching. You were flexing. I'm going to – what? we're at like the 29, 30, almost 30-minute 30 mark, and you're over there flexing. i got to remind you who you're dealing with sometimes. You know that now this is going to be <laughs> on YouTube. It is? Yes. Like the, you, the video part. Yeah. YouTubers, you're welcome. <laughs> Not many people w watch the YouTube version of the podcast because they, people don't know about it but i'm over time it'll 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 catch on hopefully i mean if nope. if you don't scare people away i have it That's set up to split screen so if they'll just concentrate on looking on my side then they'll be all right then we're in business yeah <laughs> all right you want to go to the next one sure what's the next one man versus oh no, 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 no. My friend put it best. It was like Jurassic Park. Cyborg was the T-Rex, and Avenger was the goat. Um, well, at least, you know, it's crazy that we didn't know Avenger's name, but I don't really watch Invicta. I, I, yeah. Like, I'm guilty. I, 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 watch, I watch Bellator. I watch UFC. I've not watched Invicta, so my apologies. Last week, I didn't know if it was Avenger or Evinger or what but now we know so you you said it was like what it was like in jurassic park this is how my friend put it to me as cyborg was the t-rex and evinger was the goat tied to the post for the feeding you know you're not allowed to say post oh sorry <laughs> i'm just kidding um the uh Okay, so she hung in there. Like, let me just get this off. She, Tanya uh, Evinger, earned my respect. She really showed a toughness that very few people um, could hang in there like that. I was it, expecting her to throw up the 209 or something. She was eating those shots like a Diaz. Yeah, she was absolutely... And then she was disappointed in herself. Did you hear her post-fight? 
Yeah, she was she like, I really wanted to go five rounds with Cyborg. I'm I'm really upset. And she said, and then I got I got need, and I don't know why I didn't just get up. And I'm like, because you were just need in the face by Cyborg. That's a great reason to not get up. You just got need in the face after getting punched in the face for three rounds. What do you think Cyborg weighs at fight time? I mean, she's just huge. She she looked every bit of 160. She was big. Yeah. I I can't help but but wonder. I don't know. I just she seems like she's gotten super conservative. I got that sense as well. Like she I don't I don't want to know if it's just conservative or just patience and more of a tactical approach. But yeah, I felt like she could have pounced on Avenger and won and finished it but didn't. Yeah, I I I kind of worry about people like that. Like she's the type of person where someone that's good wrestler, if she goes in and is kind of being patient and stuff, it's only a matter of time where a good wrestler is going to get her down and be able to wear her out. And, and someone wears out her arms or shoulders from grappling and wrestling. Like she's going to be a different fighter. And part of who she is, is just that, killer instinct attack and that's what i want to see when 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 someone shows weakness i want to see someone of her caliber going all out going for that finish and jumping on those opportunities and and to see her and she was proud of it she was you know i used to throw 40 punches and now i'm waiting watching for my mom I don't see that as a good thing for her. I don't either. I was really concerned. I didn't know if Evinger had gotten a shot on her that had scared her away from getting from going too reckless to go for the finish early. I didn't know what it was and I I guess that was just the plan is to be more tactical and exacting. And uh, what do you think about Holly Holm next? That's been the rumor Dana White was saying he considers it quote unquote interesting. I think that's the only fight that from a um, UFC interest level that can do it because, um, I mean, anyone, I mean, they can put anyone in there that'll fight her from Invicta at the, in the 145 uh, division. But, you know, as far as having a name to fight her and help build her up, or challenge her, um, one or the other, or maybe even both, um, I think Holly Holmes is the obvious choice. Going back to our WWE discussion, if Holly Holm beats Cyborg, we have to call her Holly Legend Killer Holm from now on. Like, it just has to be a thing. Because she she would have knocked off Ronda at the peak, and then knock off Cyborg at the peak, She'll be the legend killer to me if she if if she does that. Yeah, and 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 he, so I think part of the the thing about being a legend killer, I I don't think legends can be like the legends have to be post peak. But like Ronda was peak, and Cyborg's peak, so I don't necessarily. I think it's. Like they're legends, but only kind of only because women's MMA is like so new and young. Well, she could be the prehistoric legend killer. <laughs> so I don't know if I, 
you know, Randy Orton, he was beating guys that were true legends, like old guys. Yeah, but then he became, what, heavyweight champion at 21? So, I mean, he got up there and still fought people that were relevant, like, at that time. Like, Shawn Michaels was still really relevant then. Yeah. But when that, he was going through that yep, legend killer phase, it was, like, it was the old guys. I, I guess we could call it, oh, who's an old women's MMA fighter? We get Holly Holm to beat up really quick. So we well, that's the thing. There aren't, old, there aren't old MMA fighters. I mean, maybe Ronda Rousey's mom. She's been <laughs> fighting or doing jiu-jitsu, Olympic. Or I don't know. Was she, what was she? Who knows? Um, next fight was, well, the fight prior to that. It was Robbie Lawler and Donald Cerrone. Cowboy, uh, that kind of, this is the fight that I don't understand. I don't understand the score. So I believe, and if I'm wrong, then let me know if you know that I'm wrong. I thought that this was under the new regulated rules. I thought California adopted too, yeah. Yeah, the unified rules of MMA. So, that being said, 10-8 rounds under the new rules are a more dominant than a 10-9. Like, if you dominate a guy and, and it was a clear round of that you clearly, very clearly won, it's a 10-8. And it's a 10-9 if you, if you won the round. And there were going to be under the new rules. There are going to be a lot more ten eights. Yeah, and there is not not one part of me that doesn't see the second round as a ten eight round for Cowboy. Cowboy outstruck in what was it twenty nine to three in that second three, round three three. It, I mean, he completely dominated him. Uh. Robbie Lawler did nothing in that round at all. Nothing at all. He looked gassed from that initial burst in the first round. He came out crazy, just throwing haymakers, had him in the clinch, like he was trying to finish the fight, just like uh, Ozdemir did before him. Just finish it quick, get it done. But Cowboy fought it off, got through the round, and then Robbie did nothing in the second round. Nothing. Like, I've never seen someone do that little in a round. Like, it didn't look like Robbie Lawler. I didn't know what was going on. I didn't understand it. He literally took the round off. Yeah, and then he came back with a burst in the third, and I still thought he lost the third round. See, I didn't think I, – I gave him the third round, but that's the only round I gave him. No, I, I had him with the first one. I Or maybe – hold on. Let me – am I thinking wrong? I Oh yeah, I I I can't remember. I thought he won I thought he won one round. I I gave him the third round. Yeah, I think that's the only round I gave him. Because yeah. Cerrone, yeah, Cerrone got roughed up a little bit in the thir- first 30 or 45 seconds, but I felt like Cerrone made up for that in the rest of the round. Yeah, I see. I thought at about two and a half minutes, uh, Lawler was still applying the pressure, initiating exchanges, and I thought they got even in most of those last exchanges. So I had that first one 
for Robbie, and that was all I had for him. I had him losing 10-8 in the second, 10-9 in the third, and I think Cowboy got screwed out of that decision. And if you are um, not aware, we do most of the pay-per-views and some of the fight nights. We live tweet. Andrew was uh, busy live tweeting last night, and uh, we typically uh, live tweet for those. So like our uh, Twitter, uh, octagon underscore, no, octagon underscore 247, is it? Yeah, that's it. That's it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, obviously, in addition to that, we need our listeners here. You need to go on there and subscribe to this podcast. And we really need those reviews. We, we're getting some, but we need more reviews. And so we we would love to get five-star reviews from you and a, and a write-up on what you think of the podcast, uh, especially if it's good. If you hate this podcast and you're listening right now, don't worry about that. <laughs> so, um, so let's talk about. Oh yeah, let's. Uh, I'm not done with Robbie Lawler and Donald <laughs> Cerrone yet. Um, where does Robbie Lawler go from here? Where does Cerrone? Cerrone to me, he seems like he's in a familiar place. You win a couple fights, you lose, and you just kind of stays in that interesting fights zone i agree i think lawler goes title shot that's what all signs seem to be indicating to see if he can make tyron woodley engage again and looking at the rankings but do you but do you think after this fight that you know it's arguable if he won at best it's arguable that he won um that he's deserved that title shot i think the ufc wants him to be champion he's He's exciting. He's a big name. And underneath that... But, he, but the, he's old, the, too. He is old. But underneath that in the division is Damian Maya, Wonderboy, uh, Robbie, Jorge Masvidal, then Carlos Condit. I mean, it's kind of slim up there. But what I'm saying is, okay, so maybe it is slim. However, you lose to Ty Woodley. You take a year off. You get a decision against Cerrone. But everyone, like Dana White, I believe he said Cerrone won that fight. So then how do you give a title shot to a guy who just lost two fights, at least in your on your scorecard? I don't know what other fight you make from that, though. That, that's their, I think their hands are tied at this point. I, I, wish, I wish Donald Cerrone would get a title shot. It'd be fantastic. I think he was in line until he kept taking fights every three weeks. Yeah, well, that's just who he is, though. <laughs> so. Yeah, that fight. You were right, though. You said he like he'll have a fight and he'll look awful, then he'll come back and look great. He looked awesome last night. Yeah, well, especially after that initial onslaught. Yeah, weather that storm, and then he came out confident. His combination—he threw an awesome combination in the second round. So, what do you do? Does, does Stephen Wonderboy Thompson have a fight lined up that you know of? Not yet. He had a back injury, I think, that he's been rehabbing, or a knee injury, one or the other. And he doesn't have a fight lined up yet. What about Condit? When, last time we saw Condit, when he got choked out by Maya, wasn't it? Yeah. 
And and he's coming off of two losses because he lost the Lawler fight. Yeah. See, the top of that division is tricky right now with matchmaking. It is. Well, that's that Covington. Colby Covington is bringing the, the one bringing a new, new life into the division. I don't think anybody knew at this point. He's on a four-fight win streak. He he beat Dong Young Kim in June. That's a good win. I'd like to see him fight like a, a either a Cerrone or like a Neil Magny next. Maybe even hey Carlos Condit, like you said, needs a fight. Well, we know that uh, Cerrone will take one like today. Oh yeah, he, Donald's ready to go. He's ready to go right now. Anyway. <laughs> So, yeah, I don't know. There's a lot. So, taking a look at the divisions right now, starting with the heavyweight, you look at Stipe, Overeem, Verdum, Kane Velasquez, Junior Dos Santos. See, the I mean, like, the only person on there that's intriguing to me for Stipe to fight is Kane Velasquez. Yeah, and Kane can't stay healthy long enough to do anything. Exactly. And and who, like, okay, let's take a look at his fight record, like how often he's fought in the past couple years. He beat Travis Brown a year ago. A year ago. Then a year before that, 13 months before that, he lost to Verdum. And then, almost two years before that, he beat JDS. And then, yeah, he was fighting regularly then. But since 2013... He's had two fights? He's had two fights. Wow. Yeah. So, since October 19th, when at UFC 166, since he fought JDS... And beat him. Um, he lost to Verdum and beat Travis Brown. And that's the only two times he's fought. That's almost... That's, that's really hard to believe. That's... Because when he fought Travis Brown, he looked like a world beater again. He threw a wheel kick and everything. But then he was supposed to fight around New Year's. But I remember he came out saying, Oh, you know, my back's hurt or something's wrong with it. But I'm still going to fight. And uh, Nevada, the NSAC was like, no, you're not. We're not going to sanction you. Yeah, and well, it, it proved that he didn't want to fight. Nobody, no, it proved that his back was bad enough that he, and he knew he had pulled out of fights and be, been injury prone. So he announces like, I'm going to deal with this back injury. Like he just didn't want to have another, I pulled out of a fight on his record. And exactly. I don't blame him because he's caught a lot of flack for it. But it stinks that he's injury prone because I think he could be a legacy fighter. Like him and him and Stipe could be that rivalry that took takes the heavyweight division. But it, it'll never be because I don't think he'll ever be healthy enough. I don't think so either. At that time, he pulled out. That was three straight headliners from Team AKA that pulled out. Rockhold pulled out of the Melbourne UFC fight night against Jacare at the end of November, and then Kane pulled out. And then DC pulled out of the car where he was supposed to fight. Um, 
Uh, he was supposed to fight John Jones. That was in there as well. All those guys that happened within a year span. Uh, taking a look a little further down on the uh, heavyweight uh, rankings of the UFC, and there's just... It's frightening how little young talent there is. Um, it's all older guys, for the most part. Taking a look at the light heavyweight division, John Jones is now on top. The UFC website hasn't changed that yet, but I'm sure Cormier will be number uh, one contender uh, because he's beaten all the guys that are below him. Uh Except for Manuel, he's never fought, but he's going to be falling down. And Vulcan's going to be coming up. I mean, who... Uh, John Jones is going to be fighting uh, Gustafson if this Brock Lesnar thing doesn't work out. Which, it, it may work out, but the timing might be that John Jones needs to take another fight. I don't think John Jones is going to be... I think he should want to be active and be fighting every four months again. Yeah, this once every two years is getting a little old for me, too. Well, I think he'd... Regardless, I don't think he wants to do that. <laughs> I agree. I think it's... I It's it's funny, though, how you see Vulcan at, on this ranking still ranked fifth. And you have Shogun ranked sixth. Like, this isn't 2009. <laughs> yeah, that shows how little depth there is in the, in the yes. division. I mean, what his why is Shogun ranked where he is? He has three straight wins against Antonio Nogueira, Corey Anderson, and John Vellante. Um, but none of those guys are a name that, at this point in time, that you're going to make um, a living off of. And so... Yeah. Now, I, I think we're seeing – we're starting to see the trend of these divisions where it's really top-heavy of people that have all fought for the title or fought each other, and they're running out of options, and they're making these super fight proposals. Middleweight division has Michael Bisping at the top. Uh, Robert Whitaker is the interim champion who's not going to get the title shot because GSP is. Um, Yoel Romero, who just lost – uh, Luke Rockhold, who's fighting on the Pittsburgh cart. <laughs> September 16th. Uh, against David Branch, who... Um, would you, I mean, we should just pray for him. Um, Jacare Souza. Is he... Is he, he... who is he on the Pittsburgh card? I don't think so. No, okay. Chris Weidman, who got a big... Very important win against Kelvin Gastelum. Derek Brunson. This is an interesting division, I think. There's, there's still a lot of matchups. There's still interesting rematches. So I think the middleweight division, we started with heavyweight, light heavyweight, went to middleweight. This is the first division out of the three that has a lot of intrigue still. I agree completely. I was about to say that. I You have Derek Brunson at seven. And I think Derek, Derek Brunson's great. I love the stylistic matchups of Jacques Ray and Romero and Weidman. And Luke Rockhold, being who we haven't seen in a long time, will get to see in Pittsburgh finally come back. And Kelvin Gastelum's a great fighter, but he's going to drop down, I think. So he's he's out of the top ten there. 
Wait well, to drop I, down and miss weight. And well, here, here's the thing. I, if I'm Dana White, if I'm Sean Shelby, if I, I, I straight up tell Kelvin Gastelum, we are not booking a fight for you at welterweight. You have burned us too many times. You clearly can't make that weight on a consistent basis, and we're not rolling the dice with you anymore. You're you're just not going to happen. You are a middleweight. Get used to it. I think that's your best move, and his power translates decently well. I mean, he rocked Weidman in that first round. Weidman was in trouble for him. I mean, more of a flash knockdown, but... He's still, I mean, he can compete with anybody with his movement in boxing. Well, and and that's the thing. If he's staying at middleweight, he has the ability to put on muscle mass and and cut. Because I don't think he's cutting now as much as he could at, at, at that weight. He just always looks a little fluffy. Well, I mean, he's gonna be. That's just his body type. I think, like like Cormier. Yeah, I mean, I just think he's gonna look like that. Like even when, when he made the move from heavyweight to, to light heavyweight. I, what was he weighing at heavyweight? Like two forty five. Yeah, two forties. Um. Yeah, I think that even when he dropped forty pounds, he still. That's just the way his body's structured. That's the same way with, with, uh, with him. What's one matchup in that division, regardless of what they have scheduled, that if you had everyone blank slate today, you could make one fight that you just want to see, what would you make? In the division, other uh, what's listed here? Yes. Um, I would like to see... I don't know. There's so many good matchups. Like... Like, I think of Whitaker as just an okay fighter on paper. But when he fights, every time I think, oh, he's just okay. And then he's, like, amazing. And then he fights again, and I'm like, oh, he's 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 okay. And then he's amazing. I don't know why I don't give him the credit he deserves, but... Um, when I, when I look at this division, I see so many guys that are much better than Michael Bisping. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's just a murderer's row. Who's better than Bisping? And with Bisping's style, that's the thing. I think he he's capable of beating any of these guys. And I also think he is not a better fighter than any of them. Well, most of... Michael Bisbing has been beat up, so I think they've replaced him with metal pieces, so he just doesn't feel pain anymore. Wow. He, he must be married. He just doesn't feel anymore. <laughs> all right. So I don't know how we got off on this looking at all the divisions, but let's, let's talk about um, the opening fight, which was Jimmy Manuel, who I think he predicted his second-round TKO. Is that right? That was a good pick. Um, <laughs> against Vulcan Odzimir. And dude's a beast. Like, I'm excited about a guy like him. You, you have to be. With that kind of power, he does the exact opposite of what Tyra Wigley does. He excites you. He brings the fight. He's not afraid to engage. And the fact that he hits like a nuclear bomb also helps. 
that was uh, the crazy thing about that is I'm looking at the time of that. I would have guessed 28 seconds, 20, 25, 28 seconds, something like that. 42 seconds. I it didn't really? seem like it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I didn't think it was that long, but <laughs> 42 seconds being that long. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was it was spectacular. It it was a good way to start. Like that was the perfect fight to start off the pay-per-view. Oh, it was great. We had three fights in a row from the prelims to this one. Just all awesome finishes. Yeah. Well, and the the prelim fight pass card kicked off with a, an awesome knockout. With Josh Berkman getting knocked out by Drew Dober. So, so, I went back and watched that because I, I missed that one live. And that was impressive. <laughs> yeah. And he... he it reminded me of at Bellator 178 when Dominic Mazzotta made his uh, Bellator debut against AJ McKee, and AJ McKee went for a high, you know, a head kick and kicked Mazzotta, and Mazzotta blocked it perfectly, and he still got knocked out. Some people have that power, man. And that was what Drew Dober did with a with an overhand. Berkman had had it blocked, and he just. He just punched through the block, through his hand, and knocked him out in a one-punch knockout. That was the opening uh, fight of the card and opened up the fight pass uh, portion, the three-fight uh, fight pass portion. So was this the first time prelims were on FXX? First time that I can remember. And I didn't even know I had FXX. And I thought it was like a misprint when I first saw it, I thought it was just on FX. No one knows they have FX, FXX. Does, um, I was actually didn't think I had it and I had to like do a Google search for like Verizon Fios FXX. And then it was like, it wasn't with all the other sports channels. I don't know if it is a sports channel. What is, is it just an auxiliary Fox channel? It's it's really it's just a branch off of FX, and they just show the same things that FX shows. It's like it's like ESPN two. Oh, okay. So it's not a it's not a sports show, which is which explains why it wasn't in the in the you know rest yeah. of the sports uh, section of. Yeah, yeah. You have to dig through your music channels, and then you find oh, oh hey, here are the fights. So just so you know, Drew Dober is a is a uh, a name that's very important to us here at octagon 24 7 because drew dober was someone that was on the ufc 203 card when we went to cleveland before octagon 24 7 started which was our trip to cleveland is what launched us to get is what propelled us to get started with octagon 24 7 and mma fancast but drew dober was there's a funny story um i was talking to drew dober in the lobby of the hotel and uh just kind of i don't know just casual conversation and uh terry dactyl comes over and just start hey how's it going blah 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 and i'm like what is he doing <laughs> and he's like Ladies and gentlemen, the world famous Ricky Lundell. <laughs> and I was like, what like what is he talking? And he just walked away. And he like interrupts my conversation 
and then walked away. And so, like, later I'm talking, I'm like, what are, What were you talking about, the Ricky Lindell thing? And he's like, what do you mean? And I'm like, yeah, you came over when I was talking to Drew Dober, and we're like, the world-famous Ricky Lindell. He's like, no, that was Ricky Lindell. He, I, I, I um, was in the gym last night, and I was talking to him forever. And I was like, dude, that was Drew Dober. It was just like the, so uh, yeah. We we we've I've told that on the podcast a couple times, but most of our listeners are That's weren't funny. listening back then. Yeah. <laughs> so the world famous Ricky Lundell. Um, there is some UFC action coming up. There's a UFC fight night this Saturday. Uh, a, a decent card. Nothing. Uh, nothing crazy. Um, what else is on the docket? We got obviously on on Tuesday nights we have the Dana White series, which becomes very relevant for a lot of listeners of MMA Fancast, uh, beginning on August twenty second, as Pittsburgh local MMA gym owner and fighter Mark Cherico will make his UFC debut. Um, against a uh, an Ohio fighter, and they'll be fighting at the uh, at the one forty five weight class because Cherico will bounce back between one fifty five and one forty five. I'm really happy to see him fighting at this level at one forty five instead of one fifty five because, um, yeah, just because I think he at this uh, at an elite level he needs to be at the lower weight. There's also that fight on August 26th. Um, I forget the names. It's um, um, Floyd, Floyd Mayweather, Conor McGregor. That fight there. That's coming up toward, towards the end of the month this week. Yeah, this month too. All work is what? Uh, don't don't get me started. All work is what? Yeah! Oh my goodness, that was so bad. It was. It was. It was repulsive. It was awful. <laughs> oh, what is what? Yeah. So, lots of uh, lots of action. We uh, again, just to reiterate, it is critically important that you subscribe to this podcast. I whether you're listening on iTunes or Stitcher or or whatever it is. There's multiple podcast things that tune in or any of those things please be sure to like subscribe rate and review um we really need that to keep keep rolling and and keep the lights on and what are you doing over there are you okay i'm all good i'm ready i was i was ready to you know, plug my or a column coming out this week yeah what what, what do you got coming out I got a column coming out on octagon247.com about John Jones, the aftermath. What next? John Jones, the aftermath. What next? Looking forward to that. And I, you know, I wrote a column day before the fight. I called the win for Cormier. He didn't pull through, although he did. He did look good. I, I tend to not do this much, but, um, that head kick doesn't land or something doesn't happen. I think that fight 
I think that fight, if it goes five rounds, I, 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 I think Cormier could have won it. And it's a shame because, you know, that'll never happen. But uh, I, and I just feel for the guy. It's rough. Yeah, Daniel, if you're listening and you want to come on the podcast and talk to us, feel free. Yeah, you can uh, shoot us a, a tweet, and we will uh, we will e- easily oblige that interview. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's about it. You got you got anything, Andrew? That's it for this week. All right. Well, we are extremely happy that you listened to us. Remember to rate, review, subscribe. Um, we also have content on our YouTube page. We got a we're gonna amp up this this will also be on the youtube page you'll have to look at us though and and Ooh. so we're gonna be split screen uh whatever side you see the good looking guy on keep looking at that side uh and then andrew will be on the other side i'll hold it down for us ugly people ho, ho, represent. <laughs> um so we appreciate you listening and uh so on behalf of the entire crew at octagon 24 7 and mma fancast this is ryan middleton signing off saying good night god bless